Today on Family Talk. The Bible is the most influential book on the planet today. The study and preservation of this God-breathed text is so crucial to our Christian faith. Hello and welcome to Family Talk with your host, psychologist and best-selling author, Dr. James Dobson. Today on the program, we'll hear about the importance of scripture from Steve Green, chairman of the new multi-million dollar Museum of the Bible, which opens this weekend in Washington, D.C. Dr. Dobson will talk with Steve about why he and his family pursued this venture of starting this museum and how the Bible really came to life for him during this process. Let's listen now to their conversation here on Dr. James Dobson's Family Talk. I'm here in Washington, D.C. with my wife, Shirley, and we're here to help celebrate the pre-events preceding the grand opening of the incredible Museum of the Bible. You cannot believe, in fact, you have to see to believe what is taking place there at that site. I don't think there's been anything like it in the history of the world. Shirley and I got a walk through uh, some months ago, and I'm telling you, it is an unbelievable uh, structure and museum. It's eight stories high with 430,000 square feet of exhibits. It displays thousands and thousands of manuscripts and artifacts that have been assembled from around the globe. Um, the museum is located near the Capitol building, and uh, it is predicted to be one of the most uh, visited of all of the uh, things that you can see in Washington, D.C. And uh, we believe there's going to be a stunning turnout of uh, tourists who have come to see not only the Bible, but the educational uh, facility that's been uh, constructed here. With us today is Steve Green. He and his wife Jackie and their family conceived this concept and uh, they've been working on it for more than a decade. Uh, this is kind of a pre-opening event that we're attending now. This week is, you might say, the rollout for guests. Uh, I don't want to do any more talking. I don't want to take any more time. I want to hear directly from Steve. Let me uh, welcome him to our program. Thank you, Jim. I appreciate you having me and uh, look forward to uh, being with you at, at our pre-opening event. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, Steve is president of Hobby Lobby, the world's largest privately owned arts and crafts retailer. Steve and Jackie are the parents of six children, and they have four grandchildren. Uh, Steve, um, I'm sure you are absolutely thrilled with the way things have gone to this point. <laughs> How do you feel about it? It is very exciting. We have, over the last few weeks, been able to see uh, different ones come through the museum. We had an open house, for example, for the construction workers uh, on a Sunday, and we had probably a couple thousand workers and their families that came through, and it was thrilling to see uh, the museum being enjoyed by families from, uh, you know, of all ages, and uh, we are thrilled to be able to uh, open the doors on uh, November 18th for the public, and uh, I think that the public is going to love what they see. What thoughts are going through your mind as you look back on this decades-long 
effort going back to the days when it was in the talking stage uh, where you guys were just beginning to realize what you had the possibility of doing there in the nation's capital. What are you thinking these days? Yeah, I, I remember early on it, it was just a dream, a thought, uh, when we really had no idea when we would open or where. Uh, we we had no location, but uh, as our collection was growing, uh, we just uh, knew that we needed to uh, make this dream come alive. We really have a collection of 40 different uh, organizations, entities, collectors that have come together, and it has been a long journey when you have a vision and a dream to – uh, celebrate a book that we were wanting to do. It is just mm-hmm. thrilling to see people coming through and enjoying what you had been planning for years, and uh, it's uh, coming about. So uh, we've had such great response and people that are just blown away when they come in. You know, I remember some of the those that we've uh, been advocates for years, when they first heard about it, they thought, you know, a Bible museum, that's nice. But uh, I think people are going to have to come and see. Uh, we have really engaged some of the leading design firms around the country to help tell this book story. They've done a fabulous job. Where did the germ of the idea first start? It was really a, a group of guys that wanted to put a Bible museum in Dallas that asked if we would help them. And uh, then a couple of years later, the uh, we started collecting. And as the collection grew, the family just felt the sense of responsibility that we needed to make sure that this dream became a reality. Uh, my brother has a Christian bookstore and had talked about a Bible Museum throughout the years, but uh, nothing ever happened, so it's not anything new to us, and there are many others that have had that dream. But as our collection grew, we just felt like we needed to be sure that uh, the dream became a reality, so we started on that journey. You have uh, written a book about this journey and about the project called Uh, this dangerous book. In what way is the Bible dangerous? My wife and I, who uh, co-authored it with me, we we just share some of our stories of how that this book has caused us to take journeys that we would not have anticipated taking. But if we believe in this book and we follow it, uh, sometimes it will take you on journeys that you you don't plan. Uh, There obviously are stories in history where people have died because of their love for this book. And, uh, you know, our own journey with the Supreme Court where uh, our business, in essence, was on the line uh, for us to follow this book. So uh, for us to follow this book can be dangerous, but I would also argue that for us to be ignorant of this book is dangerous because if it's what it claims to be, if it is God's guidelines for our lives, for us not to know that uh, we are going to be adrift and uh, uh, potentially go down paths that uh, we weren't designed to go down. So uh, to not know this book can be dangerous, to know this book can be dangerous. Well, God's Word is in itself dangerous because He doesn't speak casually. When He says something, it's got to be taken seriously, and uh, that's what you hope will happen, isn't it? Absolutely. We uh, want to inspire people to engage with this book. We probably know it less than we ever have in this nation. And if we can inspire people to open this book and read it, get to know it for themselves, we think that uh, it will have an impact on people's lives. Uh, You uh, mentioned a minute ago about uh, the trips that you've taken, the journeys that it's taken you on. Uh, your One of your initial trips was to Turkey. 
in search of artifacts that you could purchase. Uh, how did that trip kind of set you down the road to what you have eventually accomplished? Yeah, the very first uh, artifact that was mentioned to us was a manuscript that uh, was in, in Turkey. And I had mentioned that we would uh, be interested in potentially buying that for this group of guys' idea of a Bible museum. And uh, so we, we made this trip to Turkey um, and had other appointments scheduled as well uh, and uh, started piquing our interest in the opportunities that were there. Uh, it also was at a time when the economy had struggled. Our first artifact was acquired in 2009. And uh, so opportunities presented themselves and uh, we were able to collect items at a much faster rate than we had ever anticipated. Uh, and that's how our journey got started. I, I saw in your book and in uh, in other things that I've seen written uh, something called a Codex Climax Rescriptus. <laughs> what in the yeah. world is that? That's an artifact that during this time when the, the economy was struggling, one of the universities at Cambridge put up for sale. It was referred to as a rescriptus because it was rewritten on. The top text is a writing by a gentleman by the name of Klamaki. That's where it comes up with the codex, which means book, Klamaki Rescriptus. And it is the underlying text that we're most interested in because it is much of it is scripture in an Aramaic language. And so that would have been the closest language to what Jesus would have spoken. And this may be four or five hundred years after uh, the life of Christ. And uh, with new scanning technology, we're able to pull out that underlying text. Uh, those scans are being done at Oxford, and we're taking them back to scholars at Cambridge to do the translation work on it. So it's just an intriguing document that uh, is, uh, even as we speak, is continuing to be uh, researched and studied uh, so that uh, we, we can see some of the earliest Aramaic language. It's the largest uh, portion of Scripture known in uh, this Aramaic language. For those that come through, and I hope there will be millions in the first years, the exhibits are not just displays. This is an educational venture, isn't it? These artifacts have an incredible story to be told. And so our job is to be, tell that story in as a creative, engaging way as we can. And we've done a lot of things. We even have some new technology that we have patented to help uh, tell the story that the artifacts tell uh, where that the, the visitor will enjoy it. There is a digital docent. It's a kind of electronic device that you can carry with you that uh, tracks you through the museum. And there's five levels of learning on there. So you can uh, adjust the learning, uh, you know, whether it's a child or a scholar, to uh, be engaging and, and learn about the items that we have, as well as a lot of electronics that uh, make the, the experience fun. Take it a step further and, and describe what people are going to see when they get there. Well, when they first come in, there's two big bronze gates at the entrance that uh, weigh 16 tons. It's the uh, Gutenberg Bible, Chapter 1 uh, of Genesis, uh, as they come in. The lobby has a digital screen that is one of the largest of its kind. And then there's three primary ways that we look at the Bible. It's history, it's impact, and it's narrative. And there's a floor for each of those. Uh, and as an example, on the impact floor, there is a uh, almost a Disney-esque ride, if you will, where we fly people through Washington, D.C., showing them where scriptures engraved on monuments throughout the city. We don't have time to take them to all of the sites, but we take about 11 different sites and show them that. Uh, so it, it's a fun experience, and at the same time, they're learning 
that this book was influential in our founding of this nation and even today still has an impact. Uh, you know, when we came through, you were kind enough to, to show us through. There is something on the roof that uh, fascinated me. You, you have plants from the Bible. Explain that. We have a restaurant uh, on the top floor that will be serving foods of the Bible. Uh, we sent our uh, chefs over to Israel for about 10 days, and they were uh, learning about all the spices there in Israel. There's a space outside that restaurant, which is a biblical garden space, where there are uh, plants, shrubs, trees of the Bible. So it's uh, every area we have, we're trying to make sure that uh, it's educational, that people are learning something, and make it a great, enjoyable experience for the visitor. And speaking of that, you have things for children, too, don't you? We do. We have a children's space that uh, we had the family that helped uh, fund that, came in and did a dedication. And uh, that was the same day we had our uh, open house for the construction workers. And after we had the dedication, it was open for them. And we were on the second floor. I was looking down. I was pointing out to the... Uh, the family, I said, look at the uh, crowd coming and going out of that space. It, it's going to be a fun space for uh, the kids as well. You talk in your book about the immense impact that the Bible has had on America. How did this book shape culture and history, especially ours? Yeah, we have a section uh, on our impact floor that just talks about the Bible's uh, influence on America. And uh, sometimes there's some challenging stories. Uh, for example, during the Civil War, there were those that would argue for slavery and from the Bible and those that argued against slavery from the Bible. So um, th this book has been uh, of an impact on our nation from our founding. If you were to look at the principles our nation was built on, uh, many of those principles are founders found in the Bible. Uh, the example that I usually use is the idea that all men are created equal. There are two biblical concepts right there. The fact that we're created uh, was a biblical concept, and the fact that we're created equal, our founders got that from the Bible. Uh, so uh, many of the principles our nation uh, was built on, uh, our founders found in the Bible, and that's what we want to show there. There's arguments on what, you know, what their own faith was and that's not my argument. I don't know what their heart was, and it could have changed over time. But uh, what we can show is that they use this book as a guide in building uh, the principles our nation was built on. Mm -hmm. uh, I've read that you've said uh, that this uh, facility, this museum, is not just for Christians to see, that there are displays and items of interest uh, to people of all faiths and people with no faith. Exactly. So we, we want this to be a safe place even for the atheist. So what we say is it's a non-sectarian look at the Bible. We're, we're not espousing our faith. We're presenting the facts of this book, um, its history, its impact, and its narrative. What What is this book's story? And we tell its story on the narrative floor and then its history. How, how did this book come together and what are the evidences for it from the archaeological evidence to the manuscript evidence and in uh, in the effort to translate this book into every language of the world. So we look uh, backwards on that floor and we're also looking forward. Uh, so it's just a place for anybody to come, not feel threatened, and just be educated about a book. People can mm. choose to believe what they want to, but we just say be educated about what you believe. What's your favorite exhibit, her artifact from the museum? Do you have one? 
Yeah, I typically will uh, mention the, the flyboard ride going through D.C., and then the other one is right outside that called the Bible Now, and this is where we work with version, the most downloaded Bible app in history and one of the most downloaded apps in history. And one of the things that I like about that space, and there's a lot that's there, is we can show a world map that shows where people are downloading the Bible app right now, or a second world map that shows people that are opening it, engaging with the Bible right now. So for the skeptic that comes in and thinks that, you know, nobody's reading this book anymore and it's a dusty book that doesn't need to be read, what we show is that there are people engaging with this book right now all over the world, unlike any other book. There, there is no close second. And so uh, just to share that and show that, I think, is going to be impactful for people. Hmm. There is so much there. We could talk about it for a month or two. Uh, how has the project uh, changed or affected you and your family? Have you been influenced by this? Yeah, I've been a student of the Bible, you know, all my life. I remember in in high school reading uh, Josh McDowell's uh, evidence that demands a verdict that had uh, just strengthened my faith, and and I see this as we have I have been able to be exposed to some of the leading scholars in the world, some very sharp people, and and learn uh, some of the. Uh, intricacies of, of the Bible and how it has come together. It just has given me a greater appreciation for this book and caused me to realize how we we have something very special sitting on our counter at home that we just take for granted. This book is an incredible book. The fact that 40 writers over 1,400 years uh, put this book together and and it tells a story collectively. Imagine starting a book today and then not finishing until 1,400 years from today. That's the story of this book. There is nothing that can compare to that. And then and, there's perfect harmony throughout, too. That's the amazing thing. You, you know, if you had a trial and there was an automobile accident on a certain corner, and you began interviewing the people who say they witnessed uh, what took place there, uh, they'd all have a different account. Uh, they wouldn't agree with each other, and yet here you have this harmony throughout the scriptures that uh, occurred over a large period of time with different people uh, writing in three different languages uh, and describing the same basic idea. I mean, that's just, it could not have just happened. And, you know, we kind of chide the children of Israel as they leave Egypt and God's providing them a pillar of fire by night and cloud by day. And you think, you know, how, how could they not follow this God that's directing them every day? And yet, I would argue God has given us no less than that in his word. The more we understand how incredible it is that that book would come together, huh. we have a miracle sitting right on our uh, shelf. Huh. Well, you talked uh, a couple of times there about the Word of God. Uh, let me uh, let me read a few scriptures that I think uh, were influential for you, and they certainly have been for me. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Boy, that gets it said, doesn't it? This is not any ordinary volume or book, 
that God has given to us. It's an incredible claim. Think about that. This book is claiming to be alive. How, how in the world could a book claim to be alive? There are some bold claims that this book makes, and that's one of them. Imagine you writing a book and saying it was alive. You'd probably be uh, laughed at and ridiculed, uh, but this book makes that claim, and it has survived. It's the most banned, burned, debated book, and yet it still survives. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All Scripture is God-breathed. That's another unbelievable statement when you think about it. God himself who created the entire universe breathed these words. How dare we ignore them? And it goes on and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Uh, you know, there are many uh, cultures today who still don't have written language. Uh, you think of the beauty of what was written in the oldest case uh, more than 4,000 years ago. Isaiah 48 says, The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of God endures forever. I think that was written 2,700 years ago, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, it's still alive today. Yeah, and, and it's incredible to think that here's a book that makes that bold claim and it also happens to have more manuscript evidence than all the major classical works combined. Uh, is that just a coincidence, that it just happens to make that claim and happens to be the most uh, documented manuscript? It, it just argues that uh, the claims are true. We're running out of time here. Uh, let me ask you a question about families. Uh, we were speaking of kids uh, a few minutes ago. Many of our listeners and the people who will eventually want to come to the Museum of the Bible uh, are young families uh, that come on a budget, or at least I would expect that they would. And uh, the question is, can they really afford such a trip uh, to D.C. to see the museum? Is there a big cost to get in? What are you going to do to accommodate those families that don't have a lot of resources? Well, we want to accommodate everybody. So uh, our entrance fee is a suggested donation. And if uh, a family doesn't have the resources, then they're welcome to come at no cost and enjoy the museum. Steve, our prayers are with you. You and I prayed on the uh, air before we really got started. There's been a lot of prayers so far that's gone into it, hasn't there? There have been a lot of prayers. We have churches that have done prayer walking around the building that uh, we weren't even aware of, and we're grateful to everybody that has been praying. Uh, and uh, we just know that God has been with us in, in this whole journey. Well, my prayer now is that the Lord will bless every floor, every exhibit, every artifact, and that things will happen there that you have not even conceived in setting it up, and uh, that the Lord uh, would uh, also bless it in the culture. Uh, there's so many things. We're out of time. Steve, I love you. I appreciate what you've done. I cannot believe with the size of the organization, your business uh, that has to be run, you're the president of that. How you found time to do this, I don't know. But God obviously inspired you and helped you. 
And thank you for inviting Shirley and me to come be part of this rollout. Well, we're honored to have you and uh, look forward to opening the museum for all people. Give my love and regards to your family. Will do. Thank you. Well, we hope that God has spoken to you about the value of his word through the interview you just heard here on Dr. James Dobson's Family Talk. For information on how you can receive a copy of Steve and Jackie Green's new book titled This Dangerous Book, head over to our broadcast page at drjamesdobson.org. To find out more about the new Museum of the Bible, which opens in Washington, D.C. this weekend, visit their website at museumofthebible.org. This new museum will provide guests with an immersive and personalized experience as they explore the history, narrative, and impact of the Bible. So as you plan your next family vacation, make sure you include this unparalleled experience in Washington, D.C. Check out the website museumofthebible.org for more information about the Museum of the Bible. We've got a link on our broadcast page as well at drjamesdobson.org. I want to remind you that now through the end of December is a great time to partner with us because every dollar you donate will be doubled thanks to a generous matching grant. If you give $100, that becomes a $200 donation. A $200 gift becomes $400, and so on. To give securely online, go to drjamesdobson.org. If you prefer, call us toll-free with your donation at 877-732-6825. Again, the toll-free number to call with your tax-deductible donation is 877-732-6825. We deeply appreciate your constant support of our ministry as we continue to fight for our faith and defend the institution of the family. I'm Roger Marsh. Thanks for listening today and have a blessed weekend. Be sure to join us again next time right here for another edition of Dr. James Dobson's Family Talk. Family Talk is not associated with Focus on the Family.